Okay, go on. Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. It is the one and only Chris Bain that I have with me today. How are we doing, Chris? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good. Right, for those of you that maybe live, lived underneath a rock and don't know who Chris is, um, what I'd like you to do, Chris, is give them an, a little bit of an introduction of who you are, what you're about, your history within the bodybuilding scene, um, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so obviously I'm Chris, as Vaughn mentioned. Um, I've been bodybuilding for, um, God, uh, 10 years, um, five years competitively. Um, I've done 18 shows so far. Um, this year was my first year in the men's open where I took 11 wins and uh, two seconds so far. Um, so yeah, this has been my most successful year uh, to date. Um, so yeah, I've been coached by Vaughn for uh, five years now. So yeah, coming up years. There was maybe a little bit of a sabbatical uh, before lockdown, but it's been a it's been an incredible journey. But reason for the for getting Chris on the podcast today was that there's a lot of young guys, Chris, out there that they'll probably look up to you quite a bit. There's even a lot of guys on the team that I know look up to you because of how sort of successful that you've been. But I thought today would be a, a good a good um a good chance for you to share a little bit about your journey because you just briefly very very briefly talked over your journey there you didn't explain kind of okay what happened in your first year what happened in your second year what happened in your novice year to then now so for those that listen that want to know a little bit more like talk us through that junior season talk us through that first prep back in 2018 talk us through the one in 2019 like let's hear the full story yeah, so obviously I uh, started with yourself in 2018. Uh, I was about 21, 22 at the time. Um, so obviously, firstly, I sent over my check and photos to Vaughn, and I, I was quite quite chunky, as I say. So uh, Vaughn suggested we do a 20 week prep, and in my head, I knew, no, I'll lose fat really, really quickly, like very quick. But no, Vaughn wanted to do 20 weeks, so I didn't know any better at the time. So we yeah. did 20 weeks. We got about 12 weeks in. I think I was maybe ready by then. It was 12, 13 weeks in. Um, yeah. So that's seven seven weeks till the show. We, well, we ended up doing an earlier show five weeks after that. Um it was probably the worst time of my life. <laughs> Not going to lie. Yeah. It was yeah. really, really hard. Um, we were actually at the point where we were trying to refeed three times a week, two, three times a week, and my weight was still plummeting down. We just... We just didn't have enough experience back then, I'd say. Uh, yeah. And I didn't know if I was ready because I'd never done a show before, so I couldn't really feed back to you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty tough. So what was meant to be a one-time thing, uh, what was ended up being an 18-time thing now. But, yeah, yeah so we did the first show, um, obviously won there. And then the second show, two weeks later, that was the worst two weeks of my life in between shows. Um, and I said to myself, I'll never do this again, ever. Um, horrendous. Um, and I came second at the PCA in Newcastle. Yes. I thought that'll be it. Never do this again. I hated it. Um, and then I seen that IBFA did the juniors up to 23 uh, or 24 or whatever it was. And I was just turning 23. So I was like, oh, well, you know what? I may as well just do it again and see see what happens. So second prep, I would say, is even worse. Felt even worse. That was <laughs> um, shorter as well. Yeah, it was short, but I think we got a little bit leaner that prep. Yeah. Uh, 
probably the leanest I've ever been. Um, and we came first at the IBFA Inverness and second at Loch Ely and second in the Men's Open as well um, Yeah. that day. And then I didn't really know what I was going to do after that because obviously I was going into the Men's and I knew I wasn't good enough uh, for the Men's. In that period between uh, juniors when I was 23 to when I went into the novice, I think I was 25, Yep. I did off season, but I was still back in my old ways, chasing girls as you do at that age. And <laughs> um, I put on a little bit of a size, but not nothing substantial, I would say. Um, so yeah, we went to novice just after the lockdown. It was kind of mixed, mixed bag of results. Um, we took a win at UK BFS Scotland. Um, third in two bros, second at PCA. Um, took my worst actual place in ever, fifth place at the PCA Birmingham, which kind of motivated me in the next off season to do it properly. And then we finished off the season with third at the FX finals. So. Yeah. And when, like, for, from my end, I think that one of the most poignant victory, uh, results you've had was that second in that PCA novice, because that was the first time you were going from a junior up to a novice, and the first time you went down south as well. You were on your own, I wasn't there. Um, so I would say in the amount of shows you've done, I think that that show, even though you got second, that's still up there with one of my favourite ones, like results that you've done. I remember being backstage and obviously everyone was spaced out because it was COVID. And um, they were saying, oh, a novice. I think it was like 12 people in the class or something. Biggest class of the day. And I text you saying, oh, we're not placed today then. Yeah, I still remember getting the photo through of you getting second and it was an incredibly proud moment. Now, what you have kind of said there, um, you haven't talked about, uh, I suppose, this past season. So do you want to give the, the listeners a review of this season first before we kind of go into like what was the major differences between all them? So just like give, give them a little bit of a review of this season. So we we did the whole Scottish season. We did eight out of eight shows this year. Um, we did an eighteen week prep to Aberdeen, which again probably overcooked it a few weeks. I would say. So up until maybe sixteen weeks out, I felt amazing. Felt really good. Last two weeks were a bit of a struggle going into the Aberdeen show. Um, but after that, I found it pretty easy going from show to show. Um, and most people say it's really hard. But it was just a case, obviously, three days digging down, two days top up, three days digging down, top up, etc. So, yeah, we started off at Aberdeen, and unfortunately, obviously, first show in the men's, I was the only one that turned up, so didn't really get to see how good I was or how bad I was. <laughs> um, so, obviously, won that by default. Then the next week, we went to FMC. Luckily, there was five in my class at that one. Uh, so one short bodybuilding, tall, they put me in both for some reason. Um, and I won classic and overall as well there. Again, obviously standard competition was was okay, but the, the following week was where I kind of got an indication of kind of what level I'm at now. Um, at the PCA, obviously, it was a really good class. You know, there was a couple of decent guys in that one. Um You know, um, especially second place, he could have been maybe the overall winner if he was dialed in a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so obviously won my class at PCA, um, Scotland. Then the following week, I think it was NFM in Loch Gelly. 
Yeah. NFM again, there was like five in my class. I won that, I turned GBO Pro and came second in the pro show. Then the following day, won at Loch Gelly again. Um, by this point, I was starting to get a bit disappointed that I wasn't taking a sword, but <laughs> um, it was what it was, I guess. Um, and then we finished off the season with Naba, which probably, you know, I came second there. Um, to, kind of took on the chin a wee bit and then the following day won overall at um, UKUP. And then to finish off the season, we kind of moved up a weight class. Uh, I could have made the under 90s, but we went over 90s, tried to see what a full, really full Chris would look like. Yeah. Um, we came second, obviously, to finish off, but yeah. Yeah, 100%, man. And I think that when you look at your track record over the years, like you've just gotten better and better and better. What would be interesting is if you were able to go back and have a chat to your old self, like if you could speak to Chris in 2018, like what advice would you give him? Like, you know, if you'd just done his first season, what advice would you give him then? Things that you've maybe learned over the years to be a better bodybuilder. Just to the young guys listening or people that are, you know, first timers, they want a bit of advice. What would you say to them? They need to maybe do more, focus on mistakes that you've made, what you've learned from. Um, I think it'd be great to hear. Yeah, so one of the biggest, not mistakes, but learning curves I've had is thinking too far in the future. Um, so thinking about what's happening in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and then it becomes this big stress bubble in your head and you you just don't want to do it anymore, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, stress obviously kills a lot of people. <laughs> um, so just thinking about what you're doing each day, just getting each day done, and it kind of takes care of itself, doesn't it? Um, so that's the biggest learning one. Um not looking at competitors online and getting stressed over that because obviously I've done so many shows now and I've done it myself, especially the first three years. And you actually see them in person, you're like, you're not as good as what I thought you were. You know what I mean? And you've been stressing for two or three months. Oh, this guy's going to make me look stupid. And then you meet, you go and beat him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so just take pictures on Instagram or pinch of salt because... It's good. It's easy to make yourself look good when you're on your own, but when you're standing next to someone, it can be a different sto uh, story at the time. Mm. Um, yeah, there's there are the two main things. Um, just having your day planned out. So, like on prep, I do the exact same thing, exact same time. Whereas that's working, eating my meals at the same time, going to bed roughly the same time. Mm. Uh, and if you have that schedule, it makes it quite easy. Um, but I would say if you go off schedule, don't get too stressed about it because it's just one day. You know? Yeah. So. Now, th those are things that you do now, but I guarantee they're not things that you maybe did as a junior, right? So if we were to speak about you specifically, not just advice you give, but what did you, what have you done differently being an open class and men's class bodybuilder than what you did when you were a junior? So like the differences that you, you know, like the differences that you do now. And then what's a byproduct of that? So we know, like, you're fucking bigger. You've gotten a lot bigger in that off-season. People are wondering, like, how do you do it? What, like, how is that possible? Talk about how that how you did it. So the main the main one was, uh, I've probably spoken about this a hundred times, but as a junior, it was quite bad for nailing the prep. And everyone would comment how lean I got. But in the off-season, I would kind of just look the same the next year, maybe a kilo up. And that was down to me. I would miss meals. Um, really bad for missing meals, 
go to bed at stupid times because I'd be out chasing girls. Yeah, and <laughs> I was really bad for that. Um, I'm quite open about that, but most kind of 21 to 23-year-olds are, I'd say. Um, I was never really a drinker, but I was mainly uh, quite bad for going out meeting meeting different girls, um, missing meals because I was out with them or, you know. Yeah. Um, and kind of since 23, 24, uh, I've just kind of cut that out. So I've had all my meals. Um, training's never really been a problem. I've always trained pretty hard, but I've started tracking numbers now. So like each session I'm getting better and better. Um, and and them two things, eating my meals, getting to bed on time and um, getting stronger is obviously equated to more muscle. So Yeah. And like for those of you that don't know, I um, get the opportunity um, to train with Chris on sometimes a weekly basis maybe maybe on occasion it's bi-weekly or every three weeks and you could see how much more focused he was in that from that novice season to your open class debut you were just you were just on it whereas when you were a junior when I think back just speaking in the gym and stuff like that obviously that your age and what you were doing um you just weren't quite as focused and it's maybe just because of maybe didn't want it quite as bad, but I think what you found after your novice season was it just became a lot clearer, maybe because you're more mature of where you wanted to go and what you wanted to do. And what that meant was that you you were on it with everything. And then each week, and I, and I usually use an example to any of the guys that come on board because I seen how much you grew. Like you were up, was it five kilos in stage weight, six kilos in stage weight from novice to open? Yeah, six, yeah. That doesn't just happen randomly, right? That happens when you're absolutely fucking on it from from the beginning. And you'll no doubt do that again. However, some of the audience maybe don't know what your future plans are. So do you want to give them a little bit of an insight to what you're going to do for the rest of the year, but also like where you're looking to go, what you're looking to do with bodybuilding? Yeah, so uh, obviously I was meant to take the rest of the year off. Um but, you know, I need to save up a bit more money, so <laughs> it takes a lot of money out of you. So um, what I thought was take next year off, kind of do that. Um, and this year just finish off by doing some brushes. So we've obviously talked about doing UKUP brush, um, which then will hopefully, if I get the qualification, will lead to finishing off the season in Spain at the UKUP Worlds. Um, we talked about the PCA Britain and the IBFA Britain as well. Um, there's obviously a couple of shows that are the, the day before in the same same area that we've kind of discussed doing as well. So, um, got another three, four or five maybe shows at the end of the year just to finish off. Where do you think the journey ends for you? Uh, long, long term. I'd like to get to PCA Pro uh, um, at some point. You know, what I mean, down the line. Um, yeah, depends. Depends what age I do that. At. Will dictate how further I want to go. Yeah, some people who are watching this thinking, like you know, Chris, you must be coming up for your forties or something like that. Believe it or not, if you're watching this, Chris is how many? How old are you now? Uh, just turned twenty-eight. Twenty-eight, and would you believe it or not? You know, you look at the video, and you think, "Fuck, Vaughn's a lot younger than he is." Um, but you've got plenty of years ahead of you. Plenty of years ahead of you, especially like if you ever become a dad as well, like things change, you know, in regards to bodybuilding. And I, we, we've, I mean, we've spoken at this time and time again, I think that you're one off season away from being where you want to be. 
You know, like you, you speak to, you speak about Alex Lord quite a bit and see what he done with one off season. Well, if you were to put on another six kilos in the right areas, although class two is the most competitive class in the UK in the bodybuilding scene in the in the men's open scene, you're right there. And yeah. but the good thing that and one thing I respect about you and the reason why I appreciate everyone is that you know where your level's at and you kind yes. of stay there, right? So we we've had discussions before about, you know, we had maybe said about PC Universe and next thing and you were kind of just like, no, I'm not there yet. I want to wait and I want to do these other ones. Whereas you'll get some people out there that maybe they jump in something a bit too early. They do a show that's a bit too big for their boots, but you've always been very level-headed and kind of known where you're at. That would be something that would be kind of good for anyone out there listening. Um, Because you get fucking, you get some people that are like, oh, I wouldn't do that fed, that fed shit. I wouldn't do that fed because that fed shit. When really maybe that person's never competed before in their life. So talk to people and give them a little bit of advice about, you know, federations, which ones should they choose and and the next next thing. Or why you maybe choose the federation that you compete with. Yeah, so to me, um, if you put everything in one basket, I would say PCA is at the top. Um, Obviously, people say two bros is above PCA. I I disagree with that. Um, I think that's only the case because they got the pro card. Um, You know, I think if if another federation got the pro card, you know, things would maybe be a bit different. Um, So, yeah, to me, PCA is at the top. Uh, I just think their shows are amazing. The stage is amazing. Just like kind of flawless. Like if you're on at eleven o'clock, you'll be on at eleven. Um, yeah. I think a lot of federations should kind of aspire to do what, what they're doing uh, if they can. Um, I think you know other federations, IBFA, have always had a good time at their shows. They're always quite chilled out. Mm. You know, let people backstage. You know, it's pretty chilled out. Um, UKEP were really good as well. The two guys that own that are uh, good guys. Kind of treat everyone really good. Um, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to to come back and compete this year. Uh, I actually really liked that show, UKEP Scotland. Um, and then when I seen that they offer at the British invites to the WABA Worlds in Spain. Yeah. The WABA is quite a big federation, European federation. So that's what kind of interested me. Uh, one of the main things, but yeah, you're all, you're obviously going to get uh, highs and lows with feds. Things that are good about them, things that are bad about them. But you've got to find what federation fits you, what you enjoy. Yeah. You know, some of the federations like a softer look, some of them like a harder look. So if you're bringing a shredder look and you're not getting reward in the fed, you maybe got to to move to another federation. You know what I mean? Find what works for you. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent, and I think the fact you've experienced it so much, you kind of now know what you'll do and what you won't do. Say next time around, right? Because you've you, you've experienced so many. Whereas some people out there might say because they because PCA is up here, they're like that. I'm only going to do PCA, and everything else is totally shit. When realistically, a bodybuilding stage is a bodybuilding stage. Whatever yeah. federation it is, like your first ever season, it didn't matter that it was IBFA. We didn't fucking know what IBFA meant at the time, right? Or, or whether it was a PC or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just think that it's you're a great example of you, you're an amateur bodybuilder, and you shouldn't be. You know, some people want to be a pro; they only do IFBB, they only do two bros. But I feel that like what you do and how you dip your toes in other federations is kind of exactly how it should be because 
more opportunities to be seen by different judges. If you're a coach, able to network with other athletes, individuals, and potential pickups and clients and whatnot. And how, I mean, have you ever worked out how many different federations you've done? I think I've placed in every single federation. Um, bar, <laughs> bar the nat- bar the natty ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if anyone's listening, Chris is definitely. Chris is definitely not nice. Um, I don't think you invite me to them. No. Um, yeah. yeah, apart from, you know, your pure elites and all that kind of stuff, obviously I can't do that because I don't do bodybuilding. But I think I've can I think I've placed in every single federation. Yeah. One thing that'd be quite interesting for us to talk about as well. Um we've learned a lot of lessons over the years, right? For those of you who don't know, Chris was the first guy I put on stage. And it was simple. He messaged me and said, hey, Vaughn, who do you recommend to go with? At the time, I had a coach. I went and go with him. He was full or too busy. And I was like, I'll do it. And then that's just kind of where it stemmed. We did, we kind of did, I suppose, a lot wrong. But at the same time, we look back, we did a lot right as well. Um, and we've learned kind of over the years. But one thing to be interesting is that some people, like you kind of say off the cusp, I did eight shows in six weeks. right? Some people struggle to do two in two weeks or two in three weeks, right? Um you have had multiple occasions in your novice season in your open class where you did back-to-back shows. It was like five over four weeks in 2021. And then now it was eight and six. Now, you told me you'd never, ever do that again. You went, that's way too many shows, Vaughn. I'm not doing that again. Then you came back and did more. Talk us through how how it mentally is for you or the challenges that someone may be presented with that those back-to-back shows. Talk from your experience um, and 2021, but then also to finish off, like to finish off that, just chat the difference in 2023 versus 2021. Yeah, so 2021, um, obviously did the two shows, didn't know how I'd do, so I only picked two shows, they were high standard shows, it was two bros and PCA. Did all right then, uh, second and third in novice. So I thought, you know what, well, I could probably do decent things in other federations, you know, like FedEx and with the UKBFF and all that. So we dieted down again, and just the way it was, it was the end of the year, we had to do kind of four shows and four weeks or whatever it was, five shows, whatever it was. Um, and it was really hard because the first show, I wasn't 100% in. Um, so it was basically do the show. As soon as the show was done, UKBFF Scotland, I was literally in the gym 10 minutes after off stage, um, yeah. doing a pump-up leg session and cardio. Um, back to like low carbs, all that kind of stuff. No cheat meals, no nothing. And I had to kind of do that for the first two shows to get fully in for the the FedEx finals. Uh, we had to drop, I think it was uh, four kilos between show one and show show uh, FedEx finals. Yeah, you did. Um, so that was pretty tough. And um, also with all the travelling, you know, like some of the shows were done in Aldershot, Bournemouth, the the bottom of England. It was like eleven hours on a train. That didn't help either. Um, made it pretty tough, but and that's why I said I'll never do it again. Um, but then when everyone was saying they're going to do all the shows, like you know, you know, obviously it was a Carolyn, uh, Liam, all them lot, etc. I was like, well, you know what, they're doing it. I'll do it. Why not? You know, be good experience. Um, and this year I found that piece of piss really um, wasn't bar a day here and there, which you're going to get with anything in life. Uh, it was pretty easy going. Um, and that's because I was fully ready for the Aberdeen the Aberdeen show. So it was actually a case of doing the Aberdeen show, 
cheat meal, low carbs for three days, top up, just rinse and repeat that for the you know, six weeks. Yeah, and but do you think that because you had that freedom, well, it wasn't just a cheat meal, it was kind of like a, when Chris has a cheat meal, he's talking about like a, an all-you-can-eat buffet type thing, right? You, you can smash food. But do you think that just mentally it was easier because you had that break? Yeah, just like that night off to kind of chill. Um, and like most of the time I would be like driving back with yourself or Carolyn or, you know, I was with Liam or whatever, you know what I mean? So it was like kind of just a chilled night, have what you want. And then you just thought, oh, well, there's only three days that are going to be hard. But realistically, only one of them were hard because you've had all that food. So Monday and Tuesday were pretty easy, to be fair. Yeah, but not only that, you had the, like, you know, I've done a podcast on you before. You had to eat, like, 2,200 gram of carb to get full. So you include that third day. Like, over those three days, that's just, like, so much food that went in. Yeah. Yeah, so literally, you had the Monday, Tuesday, pretty easy. Wednesday, you'd feel like death, like, really bad. And then Thursday, Friday, you're back to doing kind of high-carb days for the next show. So, so pretty easy. I guess what, well, it's easy for you. Yeah. You're, there's a certain type of individual that that's easy for, right? But not everyone has the the same testicular fortitude, shall we say. But I guess the main lesson that we learned was just get all the way in for the first show. Yeah, I think I think if you really like love bodybuilding, I don't think it's hard to do back-to-back shows. Some people, I don't know if they do it for the right reason. Um or either maybe don't love it as much as they think they do. Because, like, I look at, like, um, Caroline as first, uh, an example. First timer, she did seven shows. You know what I mean? But you can tell she truly, like, loves it. And then you can look at, I'm not going to name anyone, but they're kind of bit part bodybuilders. They'll kind of jump in, in and out. And they're done after a show or two. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I think if it's your passion, it's not that difficult to do it. Well, look. I've done eight shows already. I've had like a six week break and I'm going to do another four or five. Yeah, yeah. What would um, you say what would you say to the people that you know, I put this on the Instagram post yesterday, right? What would you say to the people that say to you, Oh, you know, uh your physique will stop responding, you're gonna look worse, like oh, you know, like what would you say to those people? Like fucking idiots, but what would you say to them? Fucking idiots. <laughs> um <laughs> well, I mean, all you're doing is depleting yourself, you're fully in carbon up and then you're depleting again so you're going to look exactly the same and that's what I found um, I actually found like some of the times we push carbs a little bit harder um, sometimes I look better in certain areas you know what I mean um, maybe look worse in certain areas but you know that's because we played around with things a little bit but yeah. if we did the exact same thing for the seven weeks or six weeks whatever it was I would have just brung the same look each time, I would have said. Yeah. And I remember, um, so we were in one of the Airbnbs. This was after NABA, one of the results that didn't go your way. This kind of takes us on to this next question. Um, And we we were sitting there chatting, and you said to me, you're like, Vaughn, am I getting worse? And I was like, no. And literally, like, the videographer we had, uh, Emily Four for Visuals, for those of you that are uh, wanting to check it out, um, she just swings her laptop round and shows you or I swung it around my round, when we brought up like granite, and then literally the shot she'd taken like a couple hours ago, and it was a front lat spread, and it you looked the same as in regards to like the level of fullness, dryness, hardness, blah, blah, blah. So 
that was your at the time sixth show. Yeah. In uh, you know in three or four weeks, um, and so so this is why I always like I was saying this in the Instagram post yesterday. Like, if you know someone's body, like you know it, and we know it inside out, it's just so easy to manage. And there was occasions, yes, where we maybe pushed the envelope, we changed what we did because we knew we were facing a certain competitor or we wanted to bring a different look. Like PCA, you're like Vaughn, I want to be tighter, so we changed the the order of what we've done. NFM UK, we fucking had to change things because you dropped a new lower thereabouts and we had to do things oppositely. You came in bursting full, best your glutes and your legs are looped, midsection not quite as tight, etc. etc. You know, there was there, I think the only time I would say we weren't necessarily happy with the look, you could you could say that's us being pernickety would probably be a little bit NFM UK, but then by the night show, boom. Absolutely fine. UKUP, I think, in the pre-judging side of things, you're a bit flat. You came out, you won you won your clash, won the overall, you're a bit fuller then, but it just kind of showed you like we were saying, like, oh, we're a little bit flat there, we're not quite as good there, but you were still winning. Yeah. But that was because we wanted to just try and bring give you the best opportunity at the time to to maybe get swords. And you you you've been on the end of um kind of placings that haven't went your way and and losing in this sport is part of the sport right and it's fucking shit it happens i've been there um myself but i've been there with you and it was hasn't went your way but talk about to the listeners to the guys that maybe first timers just talk about how you maybe felt at the time but then talk about what like how you processed it what you did in the 24 hours that preceded that to then get better yeah, so the f- kind of first loss that I took that maybe could have went either way on the day was against uh, Josh at the IBFA in 2019. Yes. Um, when they said it was like a split decision or whatever. Um, and because obviously that was a morning show where you did the judging then, and then the night show was just kind of awards. And I'd been told by a few people that I'd won it, um, that they should know the, the answer to that kind of thing. Obviously, I'm not going to say names. Um, so when I went back on, took second, I, t- I took that pretty badly, I would say. <laughs> um, you know, I, to be fair to me, I did backstage and said, well done to Josh. And looking back, Josh looked amazing. Like, he did look really good. Um, so fair play to him. Um, but yeah, I remember on the stage photos, my face is like tripping me. Um, whereas I wouldn't do that now. Um because obviously it's his moment, not mine. So uh, you just got to kind of respect that now, don't you? So you do, but I think that you were you're a little bit younger then, right? Yeah, I was only twenty two. So okay, you learn again. So that result didn't go your way. Did we do another show after that in twenty nineteen? Uh, we did one before when won the Inverness. Okay, so that happens in twenty nineteen. Does that motivate you to come back better? What does that do to your mindset? Uh, it kind of deflated me, to be fair. <laughs> I would say at that point, I was just young, so uh, I kind of quickly forgot about it after the dominoes. But, um, but yeah, at the time I felt pretty shit because I thought I was going to win it. Um, I was pretty confident. But, but yeah. fast forward to let's talk about your novice season first. So, in novice, when a result didn't go your way, how how was it different? 
How did you feel differently then versus when you were a junior? Yeah, so obviously the only one that I thought was maybe could have done a little bit better was at PCA Birmingham when I took fifth, my, it's my worst result ever. Um, and that kind of was different, that really motivated me and you could see that one. As soon as I did the FedEx final, it was like day one to the last day I was pretty motivated to get better yeah. because I was like, I never want to come, I, I felt quite embarrassed too. I never want to come fifth. There was 14 competitors, but or whatever, 12, 14, but um, still pretty embarrassing getting called in the second call. It's for me, you know what I mean? That's never happened before. Yeah. So, so you, you, you went from it deflating you to then using it as a means of motivation. Yeah. Now, this season, you know, you've had some incredible wins quite no noticeable for me that the most memorable one was PCA. Um I was there at UKUP, but I don't know, just that PCA first time in your open class and the the crowd, the audience, the environment, it was yeah, it was electric man. I just, I just loved it. Um but you know a couple of shows this year we had thought right well you had a good chance of maybe getting an overall, you got a couple this season, it's class, but um, the ones where we kind of thought it might go our way, it didn't. Um, and at times I thought you'd maybe were, would be done this season after that, but you you always came back, you know, you're a man of your word and you always did the shows that you said you're going to do. How tough was that for you to take um, when that didn't go your way? And, you know, ten out there listening who's looking up to you, you know, how did you process it? What did you do? How did you come back better? So the, the first two obviously lost in the overall was Aberdeen and PCA. And obviously that was to Gaz, so I wasn't really that bothered because he, he is very, very, very good. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he went on one like the PCA Britain, you know what I mean? He's like that kind of standard. So that didn't take me long to kind of forget about them because he is better, so you just take on the chin. Um, the, the one that I kind of rubbed me up the wrong way a wee bit um, was Loch Gelly first. Um, obviously, it's judges' call at the end of the day who they want to win overall. Um, but I was, uh, you know, you know, when you're backstage, you can kind of be like, oh, he's going to be first, he's going to be second. You know, you kind of know, don't you? Mm -hmm. I was really confident going on to win that one. Um, so, obviously, you see me after I was pretty, I felt pretty shit after that one. Um, but it was what it was. You move on, don't you? <laughs> um, but you you say that quite off the off the cusp there. When I I still remember, you know, when as you were kind of leaving, got a quick fall, and you did say like you're like, oh, I don't know if I'll keep going. And I just said, mess me later. And in, in regards to what you wanted to do, and by the time I got home, you already had said, yeah, let's do this next week. Yeah. Now that's a quick that's a quick turnaround from like a lot of people would be down in the dumps for days, for weeks, but in the space of a couple hours you processed it and already made a decision to come back better. Was that just because you just you know you wanted to just keep going, you want to keep getting better, or what what made you keep going after that? It wasn't a loss, but after that, you know, that result that didn't happen. Well, I just knew, obviously knew there was still three chances for more overalls. Um, obviously, I didn't have to prove myself in classes anymore because I'd won five or six already. Yeah. So that wasn't the case. It was more overalls. Um, 
and yeah, it was different judges might see it a different way, or you know, yeah, hundred percent. But I, I remember, I remember thinking after a lot of galley, I was like, I think Chris might be done. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. And if you'd said you were done, I would have said totally fair play. You know, what I mean, because this sport can take its toll mentally on us, but someone like yourself that fucking loves it and um, is as passionate as you are, um, I think that as you've matured, you just you just take those losses or those results on the chin a bit better. Yeah. And you're, like, you're always thinking forward and thinking what's next opposed to getting caught up in the moment. Yeah. I think, you know, still I've had my moments when you take a loss for the maybe the hour after it, you feel a bit shit or you maybe say something you shouldn't have said or whatever and then you kind of just realise like as you get older you shouldn't be doing that and you kind of rectify it so yeah yeah I remember after NABA um which you know at the time I didn't think was the right decision you know I'm going to openly honestly say that I don't think I should have got beat there um but it's not my call at the end of the day and James looked good he looked improved from a PCA I'll give him that you know he looked good but I still thought I had enough to kind of win that personally um, but that's not my call um, and after at the post I put on Instagram maybe wasn't the best and Naba chose a different look that other federations wouldn't have chose and you know it was just kind of obviously heat of the moment kind of thing um, and then within an hour I was just like you know what it's his moment I shouldn't take that away from him so I changed it to well done to James tagged him in it well done for yeah. taking the win um, yeah. it's just kind of heat of the moment kind of thing I think everyone has their moments so I think I think you're human. Yeah, you're allowed. Um, I I often say on a podcast that in those moments, in that hour or two after those results, like nothing I say changes how you feel. And well, tell the audience, did I say much to you after that result? Nah, not really, because you can't really say anything, can you? You know, you know. Yeah. It, probably if you, if you kept on hounding at me, it probably would have made me worse. <laughs> you know, I, I I remember just coming up to you and just be like, "Mate, it's fucking shit." Like, I feel like because I know what it's like to lose and to resolve to go your way. And like, I what the reason I take sometimes the losses a bit harder is because like I want it more for you than even you want it for yourself, right? So then when it didn't go away, I was like, "Man, that fucking sucks," and and like that was kind of it. Because I think um, someone was on right after you or whatever, um, so I had to go. But in those moments, it was just like at times you maybe don't understand the result. You're trying to process it, trying to process it. But that's why, I, like when that happened, I just we just kind of gave you your space a little bit. Yeah. And by the time we got to Mickey D's, you know, two hours later, you were all right. Yeah, you know, you process it. So I think what I'm getting at is that you're allowed to be human and you're allowed to experience those emotions, but you're totally right in what you're saying is maybe one day it's not your moment, but it's somebody else's and you got to respect that because you've had your share of, it's been your moment a lot this year. Yeah. And and probably like the guys in second and third place, like they've probably still felt downhearted because they didn't, they didn't win. But you've always been quite a... Uh, Humble in victory as well. 
Yeah, I mean, after every every win I had this season, I went up and shook everyone's hand, every show. Uh, every single show, whether it was overall, class win, whatever, shook everyone's hands and said, well done. Um, even when I won my first or second overall, you know, I didn't parade about, you know, like some people run to the side of the stage or celebrate or something. I didn't do anything like that. I just went and shook everyone's hand. Um, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So it should be, man. So it should be. Um, what what would be quite interesting to get your viewpoint from as well is that we are um, we're in an industry where you could say that that hopping from one coach to the next is something that's seen very regularly, right? And what's made you stick with working with me over this time? Because there'll be some people listening that maybe they don't have a coach or they're thinking about getting one, or maybe they are sort of like, oh, maybe I'll change, but um. You know, obviously, I've I've known you beforehand before we started coaching. But what's made you stick with with working with me over over these years? I just think uh, if you're constantly getting better, obviously that's the main thing. Um, you're constantly improving your knowledge, like personally. Like if you're passing things down to me, I don't see the need to change. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, if you're constantly mucking things up and I was getting worse, you know, of course, of course, you're going to go and change. You know what I mean? If the looks improving, you know you're getting you're getting better. You're learning more. I I just personally don't see the need to change. And um, yeah, I could maybe go and change and go with, you know, who people see as the top coaches in the industry, like you know your Cal's or your Tom Hames, or and they might improve me that five percent more. You know what I mean? They might do, but they also might not because I'm not really in their niche. You know, they're wanting people that are going to be pros, mm-hmm. like now. Whereas yeah. I'm not in that category, so. Mm. Um, so yeah. with, with that being said, then you know why do you think that we see so much coach hopping in the industry today? What do you think is the reason behind it or for it? Like honest opinion, I think people just can't can't do the work, and they think going to um, you know a Tom or a Cal, they're just going to have like a magic wand that's going to get them better. It doesn't happen like that. They're going to give you the exact same information. Maybe a different, slightly different method, but you still have to do the work yourself. You still have to eat the meals. You have to sleep. You have to go and squat 300, 200 kilos, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm. That's on you. If you can't do that, you're not going to get better. Simple. Do you think a lot of people as well, maybe like, because let's say a result doesn't go, doesn't go your way. Do you think a lot of people will then coach up because of that? Thinking like, oh, well, it's, it was my coach's fault. And if I was with this coach, I'll do better. Do you think that happens quite a bit as well? Yeah, obviously, like, it's going to happen with every coach. You're not going to nail the look 100% every time, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, it just doesn't happen. And if you can't understand that, you're going to be swapping coaches quite often, you know? Yeah. Uh, I also think that it's got to, it, like, you know, the time that we work together, we've got to a point now where you know what to do. And you could easily, you could leave to right now, and you'd have success for the rest of your bodybuilding career based on the knowledge that you've got. So I think that the time that we spent together, you, as you said, you build up that rapport to the point where our method of, of coaching is quite relaxed. Yeah. In five years, I don't think you've ever filled in a check-in sheet. You've only ever sent me photographs in your weight, but we just got to look at you, show day or load in and just be like, you need more food or you're all right. Yeah. You know? Honestly, I think I don't. I wouldn't even need a scale when I'm in, sh- in shape. I can just like feel it on myself. Um, 
Mm. Like I tell you, like I need more food or I need more water, and you're just like, okay, do it. Yeah. There's got to be that trust, right? Because some people have a little bit of a dictatorship of what it should or shouldn't be, but I think because because you've done so many shows and your your body like inside out. On the odd occasion, I'm not there, but like I'll say, like, like I'll look at a photograph and I'll say, but how do you look in person? Like you be the judge of it, and you'll say, I'm full. All right, yeah, I look fucking good. You know what I mean? Like I'll be like, right, okay. If Chris says he looks good, fucking trust him, looks good. But this kind of brings us on to kind of one of the the, the last questions here, which is, you could do it on your own, but you've not as of yet. And I think it shows that importance or highlights the importance of just. When you're competing, the importance of having a coach and having or a second pair of eyes. So talk us through what you think maybe the pros and cons are and maybe why you feel like everyone should have a coach when they compete, maybe why you've always had one. I think the, the main thing for me personally is like, you know, nine times out of ten, I'll say to you, like, this is what I want to do. And you'll say, yeah, that's fine, go and do it kind of thing. But it's just having that second opinion, like someone validating that you should go and do that, you know what I mean? Whether it's like, if I'm thinking in my head, should I go and do that, you know, or should I not, kind of thing. Um, so that's the, that's the kind of main thing. Like, I could easily go and coach myself, get the same kind of similar look, probably, and do pretty well myself. But it's just kind of having a second pair of eyes saying, you know, go and do that, or so you don't have to think about it, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, for beginners, obviously, I would advise not going on stage without a coach. Um, just makes it more chill. You just follow the plan. At the end of the day, if you don't look good and you follow the plan on stage, that's on your coach's head. Um, and, but if you've been mucking up, obviously that's on on your head. But it's just uh, it's a lot easier. Obviously, first time competitors are going to muck up. They're probably going to cheat on their diet once or twice. So obviously, a coach will be able to rectify that or fix it. Um, whereas if they're on their own, they probably won't have a clue and they'll start hammering cardio, start doing stupid things, you know what I mean? Mm. Which could then lead to a worse physique. I think that even like, even the more experience you get, we still get in that mindset of wanting to dig way more, wanting to eat less, wanting to just fucking like, put ourselves in a bin and in the hole. So like for me, anytime I was prepping, it was so that like, because I know that in my mind, I'm irrational at that point and I'm not logical. So having someone that was a you know, sound peace of mind, logical, rational, reasonable. Um, I think that was why I always had someone. Yeah. You know, it, different if you're doing a photo shoot because it's maybe not as lean, it's not as much pressure. But when you were trying to nail it for a shoot, I think regardless of your level, like there's a reason that Mr. Olympia has a coach. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So um, apart from the very odd few that coach themselves, I think um, you know it's uh, you're a great example of what what can really be done if you stick with a coach. You know, if things maybe the service isn't great, you know, you're getting a few days and they're applying to a check, and that's fair if you move. But if you're someone out there that's listening, that maybe you don't, you're not coached by me, you're not coached by Chris, you're coached by someone else. Stick with them. You know, see how it goes. See if you get some results. If they're fucking shite, come to me or Chris. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's fine. But I think that you're a great example of just what can be done. Like you, mate. You look at your physique from when you were a junior. Um, you were quite successful as a junior, but to now, not many people can do that. I think very few people can do that. Um, and 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful and excited I'm along for the ride. That People see um, the Instagram photos, the wins, the trophies, the, the shredded glutes and whatever. But what I get to see is I get to see you, I get to see your journey every week. You know, in that off-season, we trained legs on a Tuesday at the time. Um, I saw you putting more weight on the machine every single week and, like, you did it every single week. Yeah. So I saw you coming in, you know, fucking belching between sets because you're eating a thousand gram of carb, like, but doing it and doing it. And for me, like, that's the part of the journey that I, I like. That's my yeah. favorite is is seeing you each week just getting better because then it's a, watching you do it. In my head, it was a formality that you were going to do well this season. I was like, he has been so meticulous. He's so much denser everywhere. He's going to do well because we knew you got conditioned and that was absolutely fine. Um, but as a wrap-up, I suppose, before I continue to ramble any much longer, just maybe talk three bits of advice you'd give to complete first-timers. There's been some gold nuggets in this podcast that people can learn back and listen to, but just you know, three quick things you would say to first-timers, a bit of advice out there. What would you say? I'd say um, train as hard as you can, obviously. The main thing I would say is nail the training, try and get stronger each week. We're keeping, obviously, reasonable form. Um, obviously, Instagram's good, uh, or the internet's good for bringing out new fads all the time. And the, the new fad at the moment's all this tempo work, hold for three seconds. Personally, I don't believe that builds a great foundation. I think you have to have the foundation and then go on to that. Um, so just getting strong main on the main lifts, kind of squat variation, you know, row variation, press, etc. Uh, just focus on getting as strong as you can. Uh, that will build a big dense physique. You're not going to see someone with skinny arms and chest that benches two hundred kilos. Let's be fair. Mm -hmm. um, but you are going to see someone who started doing this three seconds up with twenty kilo dumbbells with skinny arms and skinny chest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm just being truthful. Like, you have to have the foundation there. Um, and the main one is people look up to like your Cubas and stuff like that. That's all well, but Cuba had had that foundation. You know, he was a big guy already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it might obviously work for him. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't. You know, just train hard. Don't fall in any of these bullshit fads. I would say. Yeah, the main thing. Absolutely. Uh, was that? How many pieces of advice was that? Was that two? You got one more? I think that was one. But uh, yeah, the second one would obviously be nutrition. Make sure you get all your meals in. You know, make sure you're hitting your protein and calories is the main thing. Um, and yeah, and the third one, don't coach up, I guess. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> follow, follow a structured plan for a set period of time. Yeah. And uh, just make totally sure fine. you're nailing it. So, yeah, yeah. I, th I think that this has been a great insight for anyone out there listening. A little bit insight to your journey. Yeah, you know, I, I know you put up some um, some Instagram updates uh, on your stories every now and then, but I think for anyone that looks up to you, it's been it's been a good eye-opener to who you are as a person, how you've progressed and developed over the years. But someone out there maybe wants to um, get in touch with you, they want to know a bit more about you, they want to follow you. Talk about how someone gets in touch with you. Yeah, so uh, my main Instagram C under that. So it was at this point of the recording that um, Chris's uh, internet froze and uh, he literally dropped out the call. 
But if you're looking to follow Insta- uh, Chris on Instagram, he is C underscore Bane one, um, and that's where you can kind of follow his journey and get in touch with him. But thank you for listening. I hope that uh, you enjoyed a little bit of an insight to to Chris's journey. And wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans. <laughs>